Honestly, to me, a budget is a ball and chain. I'd rather not have one. Thank you for chuckling. (laughs) But what I have come to learn is that a budget sets a boundary around our marriage. And it does, I think it does that because it protects our love of each other from the invasive weed of materialism. That was pretty profound, hey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because my love for you, Verlinda, is more important to me than my love for things. And that's why I'm willing to budget. Wow. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 59, and this is the first of a series of back-to-back episodes on family budgeting. And we know this is a major pain point for a lot of families, and we want to help with that. Yeah, so in our relationship, I'm a spender. Amen. You said that because you like it, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, you, Verlinda, are the saver slash budgeter. Mm-hmm. So I just thought we should give a little background to this so folks know where we're coming from. You know, we do have a lot in common. We both want to have a retirement fund. Yeah. But just for example, when I think about that, I want to create that wealth by generating revenue. That's how I think about it. Okay. But you want to create it by saving. Well, I'm just using the revenue we generate to save. Well, yes, but there's a difference in philosophy. Okay. A little bit of defensiveness there, just <laughs> saying. So it took us a while to negotiate this out, and we're going to talk more about that in next week's episode, where we talk about how to negotiate your family budget. Okay. But for today, you know, we get stressed about different things. I get stressed most about making an income. And at the same time, I have this weird confidence and just weird because it's paradoxical to my stress that the money will always be there when I need it. So I have this belief, but I stress about it anyways. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I also find that I always want more than I have. And, you know, I think that my materialism kind of goes in waves. Like sometimes I just can't fathom how I could make enough to buy all the things I'd like to have. Mm -hmm. And other times like now, as opposed to three minutes ago. You know, it's my birthday coming up as we're recording this, and I really can't think of anything that I want. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it kind of varies, right? But I think you get stressed more about balancing our budget because you're the one who does that. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever told you this explicitly, but even though you do that in terms of administering it, you know, I want you to know that that's our budget. Mm -hmm. So that you don't feel like you have to carry all the stress of it. Then why don't you follow it? Because I don't know about it. Seriously? Yeah. Well, then. That's usually why I don't, which I think is something we're going to talk about today. Okay. So is there anything else you get stressed about when it comes to budgeting or finances or? Well, I get stressed for sure when we don't stick to the budget. Right. But I mean, it's a total stress reliever when we get this huge bill that I wasn't expecting. But then I realize, you know, we've saved for it all year with our annual expenses and it's paid for. It's fine. Yep. But I just... Yeah, thinking about money and budgeting, it does stress me out. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. So we're still figuring this out as we go, but we've learned a lot along our 15 years of marriage. It's helpful. And we also want to take a look, like we usually do, at what the research has to say so that our listeners can really be together on this part of their marriage as well. So today in particular, we're making a case for why you need to budget. Because I think it's often not explicit in a marriage that one or sometimes both spouses are not actually on board with this idea that a budget is necessary. Mm-hmm. So even for our listeners today, maybe you'll listen to this and you go home all keen on making a budget. Well, you have to get your spouse's buy-in before this is going to work. Yeah, it has to be our budget. And you know what? When we set our budget, 
It is we our set budget. it together. It's not like I created all these rules. Right. That's but, a little defensive there too, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping to cast you as the evil budgeting wife. Yeah, nice try. Okay. Okay, let's look at some of the research. So okay. um, I'm starting here with a study of young marrieds with modest financial resources, like i.e. not rolling in the dough. Mm-hmm. These are actually students, so... Very, so they're really not rolling in the dough. <laughs> very modest financial resources. Yep. Been there, right? So financial, a couple of terms here, and then I'll define it. So financial management behaviors. Now, financial management is just defined as you're actually stopping and thinking and you're budgeting your expenses against your income. Okay. You're managing your finances. Yeah. And we're going to talk about financial problems. And financial problems is when there's a mismatch between financial resources and demands, like your outflow is bigger than your inflow. Yeah. Okay? okay. So financial management behaviors, and I'm quoting here, and the perception of how well finances were managed were both found to be significantly related to satisfaction with their marriages. Okay. So there's a link there. Yeah. Financial problems, as well as the perceived magnitude of financial problems, showed a statistically significant correlation with how satisfied the chief financial manager was with his, his or her marriage. The chief financial manager just being the person that does the does budgeting or whatever. Right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot about perception in here. There is. Okay. And there's correlation. So there is, you know, when you're doing research strictly, it's correlation, not causation. You can't say that A causes B. You can just say that when B goes up, A goes up. Right. So there's probably something going on. Yep. But- these folks went further to do a regression analysis. Now, that is a very complex statistical formula. And what it tries to do is just to isolate out of the many factors that can affect something like happiness, the impact of just one factor. Okay. And in this case, they found that 13 to 15% of the marital satisfaction was explained by the perceived quality of financial management and financial problems. That's pretty high. So your marital satisfaction... Like an eighth of that, over an eighth of that, yeah, is explained by one factor. Now, if you stop and think about how many factors go into marital satisfaction, I mean, there's there's your work, there's your your spare time, your leisure time, there's your communication skills, there's your sex life, there's all these things in there, right? Yeah. But this is one to find something that's thirteen to fifteen percent is a, actually high. a huge chunk. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Now you pointed out the perception thing because. Which is great observation because perception is actually more important than reality in terms of your happiness. Hmm. Maybe not in terms of, you know, when the bank calls and shuts you down, but in terms of your happiness, you have to believe that you're doing a good job. And with your finances, right? Yeah. So when the couple believes that, even though objectively you might look at them and say, well, you guys aren't actually managing your money that well, they'll be happier than a couple who is managing their money well, but both believe that they aren't. Oh, interesting. Yes. Huh. Which is kind of okay because marital happiness, I mean, you guys are your own unit. Right. You know what I mean? And go ahead. Well, it's not like compared to others and how they're doing. Exactly. So the point is that you both need to be satisfied with how your finances are handled. Okay. But I question the perception thing though. Okay. Because are you saying that, you know, so you can have debt and if you're both good with it, that's fine. Well, I'm just saying that if the perception of both couples is that they're managing their debt well, they will be more satisfied. So you're saying debt is okay as long as you're both groovy with it. Well, okay. I see. That's why we need to take all the research together. So let's look at another study from 2008 by a guy called, I think it was a guy. I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. Sorry for the gender assumption there, everybody. A person called Do. Give some background info on debt. 
So the average American household has consumer debt equal to 20% of their yearly income. Okay. This is what Dew's telling us. Yes. Okay. Recently married couples typically have high levels of debt and they take on debt as they establish their new household, either with the wedding or they go out and buy a bunch of stuff using debt, using credit cards or, you know, hit the the brick and buy now and start paying in 25 years, right? So generally speaking, debt predicts an increase in marital conflict. Okay. And a recent survey that Dew refers to highlights that newlyweds rated debt as their second highest marital concern. So this is a stress right off the start line, okay? Yeah. So he wanted to find out how does change in debt predict change in marital satisfaction for newlyweds? Okay, now we're using the term through here quite a bit called uh, consumer debt. Consumer debt, just to define it, is debt incurred on the purchase of goods that are consumable and or do not appreciate. Okay. They don't increase in value. So they're just, yeah. So this is not houses. Right. Or even like diamonds or mutual funds. Right. This was like furniture and a bigger TV and... Yeah. Okay. And sometimes people put cars in consumer debt. Sometimes they don't. They definitely don't appreciate, but there is an asset value after you buy it. Okay. Right. For some time. So they found that as couples assume debt, they're more likely to... There's three things here. Number one, spend less time together. Number two argue more about their finances and number three feel that their marriage is unfair well i can understand the first two like you know you both have to work more to pay it off and you're going to argue more because it's a stress over your head but how does it make your marriage feel unfair i think that usually one person wants to spend more or buy something more than the other person does so how do those decisions get made oh like and, a power struggle almost yeah i can't remember coming that to this episode or maybe it's next week's where we're talking about some gender Things that come up and Mm -hmm, this belief that whoever earns the most gets to spend the most. Okay. Mm. Stay tuned for that. I will. He points out that all of these findings suggest that consumer debt may inhibit recently married couples attempts to form a new family unit. Like it's hard to get your, your groovy togetherness on. Yeah. When you got less time together, you're arguing and you feel like your marriage is unfair. Right. So and you, do you want to bring kids into that? And, well, you, you kind of, you're, you're... Is this going to last? Yeah. You're, you're limiting yourself right off the gate, right? So the point, mm-hmm. right at the point where you're trying to create this happy, blissful experience, you go buy a bunch of things you think you need in order to support the happy, blissful experience, but you actually end up sabotaging the whole effort. By going into debt. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Moral of the story, marry someone who's very wealthy and you don't need debt. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you married me, is it? I knew I missed something. <laughs> In the process there somewhere. Okay, so even if you're both good with debt, with the debt you're incurring and believe it's okay, there are other factors undermining the happiness that you're aiming for. So here's a little bit more research. So we're going to keep going down this road. There's another article looking from the same person, looking at the relationship between debt and divorce. Again, due 2011, three years later. And there's really this conundrum that comes from this. So materialism is negatively associated with marital satisfaction. We looked at that in episode 47. So yep. as, as materialism goes up as a value, marital satisfaction goes down. Yep. However, the more assets a couple has, the less likely they are to divorce. Okay. And, you know, there's a couple things going there. That, number one, they could feel more secure together. Number two, they could feel more reluctant to let that go in right. the face so they'll stay married. Yeah. So we're not saying why, we're just noticing that these two charts kind of cross each other. Okay. So more materialism, less satisfaction, more assets, more likely to stay married. 
So Dew took all the data, all the debt represented in a survey, and he used a log-based 10 algorithm. And sorry for being nerdy here, but to rank the debt that couples are experiencing. So just like an earthquake gets ranked where zero is no earthquake and 10 is unimaginable, like the earth Mm -hmm. splits in half and half goes off in one direction, half the other, right? Just remember on that scale, yeah, that you don't want a 10, it's bad. (laughs) Just remember that on that scale that every 0.1 is one times greater. Every 0.1, yes. So a 7.6 earthquake is six times stronger than a 7.0 earthquake. Okay. I got that right. If there's any statisticians out there, you can shoot us an email and correct us. Okay. But here's what he found. For every unit increase, that's a point one. Yep. There is a seven to eight percent increase in the likelihood of divorce. So even if we got our math wrong, the stats are right. Okay. Which is significant. So there's a clear conclusion that the more debt participants had, the higher their hazard of divorce. Wow. Yeah. But in contrast, the more assets a couple had, the less the likelihood of divorce. Wow. Right. So you know, a newlywed couple. Living in an apartment, buying all sorts of stuff. Yep. That's like... You can really set yourselves on a pathway. Yeah. Yeah. That's really risky good. to your marriage. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, you're so... You're, we were young at that when we were in that stage and you're so filled with optimism. Yeah. Right? And you really haven't had to get out there and, and you know, feel the pressure sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's easy to get into. So there's another interesting note here. Income had no association with divorce in his study. So making more or less money was not significant. But what is significant is what the families do with their income or the couples. So the couples that created more consumer debt had more financial disagreements and had much higher likelihood of divorce again, right? Regardless of whether they made a ton of money yeah. or a little money. So you can't, you can't solve this by, by trying to make more. more money. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Which is back to our title, Why You Need to Budget. And right. our, our agenda here is that debt is bad. It's not yeah. helpful. No. It's not helpful. Consumer debt is not helpful, I should say. Okay. So we have a mortgage, right? And that, you got to do that in most parts of the world. You just can't afford to get into a home. And that's one of your most important assets that you're going to develop as a couple. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the choices you make about how you spend money have a real impact on your marital satisfaction. That's the conclusion about why we need to budget. So the marketing world tells us that if we buy things, we'll be happier. But the reality is that the buying of things does not create happiness. In fact, when it creates debt, it begins to have this escalating sort of profound detrimental impact on happiness, Mm -hmm. which I think resonates with that cautionary proverb that the borrower is the slave of the lender. That's Proverbs 22 and 7 from the Bible. And we, you know, as I was trying to unpack this, we need to really be careful with what we give power to in our lives. So taking on consumer debt is really giving power to someone else because this consumer debt is about goods that are consumable or do not appreciate. We're not talking about, you know, buying a house or all those good things, but it's just buying things that are not going to create lasting value. And meanwhile, in so doing, you become a slave to the lender. Oh, okay. That's how you give power to someone else. Yeah. Okay. So the Bible is very cautious about borrowing or loaning money. Cautious about that. Yeah. Not necessarily always prohibitive, but it does clearly speak against defaulting on loans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I kind of look at all this together and what the research is saying, you know, I think that we also need to consider our spiritual values as we draft up our family budgets because we all love things. Almost everybody I know loves things. Yeah. It's nice to have nice things, right? Yeah. And what we really want to be cautious about those going into debt for things that we would enjoy that don't appreciate. 
Cars, campers, all-terrain vehicles, iPhones, the new iWatch, gizmos, gadgets. Basically, they, you know, the old joke that men, the difference between men and boys is that men spend more money on their toys. Right. Right? Yeah. So, you know, because if, if we stopped and think about these things, I think we'd all be very quick to say, well, the love for my spouse is more important. But yeah. we don't actually live congruently with that because we're willing mm. to bring strain into our marriage by going and buying things. By the things, yeah. And I don't yeah. think anybody's like, oh, I hate my wife. I'm going to go buy some more stuff. No. It's just... It's a little... I think it's just our selfishness comes out. Like, oh, I deserve that. We'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Entitlement. Yeah. So kind of pausing to really make the larger value-based decision about what you want to buy and not buy, I think is very critical. Say that one more time. Making a larger value-based decision about what you want to buy and not buy. So how is this purchase going to put strain on our marriage? Mm-hmm. Along with, you know, how is what we're purchasing going to be something that we're going to enjoy? So if the strain is going to be larger than the joy, why yeah. do it, right? Yeah. And you got to consider your spouse's joy versus strain too. Yeah. Yeah. As a couple. As a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And this is why I say when you create a budget, and I started with this in the, in the intro, you're setting a boundary around the marketing world and you're setting a boundary around your own desire to keep up with the Joneses and around your own innate desire to be for more. Our desires yes, for more, mm-hmm. all in favor of protecting the marriage. Hmm. So I'm kind of pitching this budget idea as a way of setting a healthy boundary, like a hedge about your marriage to help protect it. Okay. It was Will Smith uh, who seems to get credit for the well-known quote, too many spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. <laughs> yeah. Right? But how true, eh? Yeah. That's why we want you to take this topic seriously, because if you're going to build a marriage that you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime, financial management is going to be a critical component. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned for more of this in the next episode. As we said, this is a mini series here, and we're going to go deep to try to help you with this subject because we know that it's important to you from those of you that have reached out to us. So remember, if you want a written version of everything we've talked about today that you can print or share, you can get these full show notes at oyf.link slash 59. And we want as many marriages as possible to be blessed by our Only You Forever podcast. If you leave us a review in iTunes, it helps raise the visibility of our podcast on iTunes, which means we can reach even more people. We put hours of work into each episode and we want others to be blessed by this. So if you could spend a few minutes today leaving us a review, we would be very, very grateful. If you're not sure how to do that, just open your web browser and go to oyf.link slash review, and there's instructions for you there. So thanks a bunch for joining us today. And we know talking about finances can be a really touchy topic for couples. And I mean, it's not like it's a bed of roses for us either. (laughs) And we've had our fair share of stress over budgets and income and debt. So next week, we will reveal how to negotiate a budget with your spouse. And we can't wait to see you there. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Can you not hear that every time I breathe? Well, you're doing it on purpose. You're not. That's just a breath. Uh, All right. You said it how you want it, honey.
I need to touch my nose on here, I think. Get your nose on there. Hey, everybody. This is episode. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Okay. <clears throat> Ready to go? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat>